and welcome to mini episode 96 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have four spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 4th of December 2020. And story number one comes from Elliot. We have neighbours that live above and next to us. And I've heard loud music and television noises fairly frequently. This sounds completely different and like it's happening right next to us. The first occasion was before we'd seen or heard anything of our ghost roommate, who we affectionately called Pipes. My fiancé Richie and I were in the living room watching television. We were talking when we were interrupted by several bass guitar notes that sounded as if it was right in the living room with us. The guitar played the first few notes of Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. It sounded like someone was playing it on an electric guitar with an amp right in our living room. My phone was on silent, the laptop was off, and my partner's phone doesn't make any similar noises. We thought it was a bit creepy but didn't think anything of it and joked for a while that we should be careful lest we summon Jack White. However, two more things have happened since that we just can't explain. The other occasion was just my fiancé Richie, and thank God because ever since I caught a scene of it while my sister babysat me at four or five years old, I have had a huge fear of clowns. I was turning off the television when Richie swore and froze. He asked if I heard that, and besides our hamster running on his wheel, I hadn't heard a thing. He, however, swears blind that he heard some circus-style music for a few seconds, like someone had just started playing it from a stereo right in the living room. The thought sends chills down my spine. And if Pipes tries any more clown shit, that ghost is getting evicted. Anyway, one more time it happened. I was sat at my desk playing a game on my laptop. I had the sound turned right down to mute because I had an episode of Friends playing on the television. I know, I know, it's been over 20 years, but I had good memories watching it with my siblings as a child. My phone was again on silent as it has been since 2004. I turned around to look at the television screen and I heard the strangest tinkling music. It was like someone had opened a music box right in front of me. It definitely wasn't the Friends episode, the one with the apothecary table to be exact. And my phone was definitely on silent and I didn't have a notification. Pipes still doesn't mean any harm and mostly it just feels like a gentle presence that's hanging around. The music thing is freaky though, and also our hamster that we got in September 2020, Knuckles, keeps randomly looking towards the wall as if something just moved or spoke to him. I've walked in at night to check I turned the radiator off and seen him standing on his hind legs staring at the window, curiously sniffing in the direction of something. He doesn't seem scared though, more curious. He runs to the bars to sniff at us to say hello. So yes clearly not too friendly with it but more so than he is with strangers so this is such a strange story and made even more strange by the fact that it has also happened to Dan and I I'm not going to retell the whole story because people will remember it but we were lying in bed one morning and a guitar string was plucked in our bedroom and we didn't have a guitar in the bedroom Uh, we didn't have a guitar we did have a guitar in the house but I think it was either in the attic or in the basement. I don't remember where it was, but it definitely wasn't in our bedroom. So I can totally empathise with that feeling of, you know it hasn't come from any 
technology in the house or like your phone or a stereo or whatever and it just is in the room totally can totally empathize with that and that was the strangest the strangest thing that had, that happened in that house was that guitar sound in the bedroom and it was most definitely in the bedroom and wasn't our neighbors so can totally totally understand where you're coming from with that and uh, I don't know if we've had a story with hamsters seeing things yet we've had all sorts of different pets who are connected to the other side but um hamsters is a new one on me and listen I'm not who's to say that the hamsters aren't the key to it all and story number two comes from smalls I'd never believed in paranormal things when I was young. Those things never went through my mind. I was in third grade when the first happening took place. And at that age, no kid thinks that there are ghosts in their house. I was a very cheerful kid and I was more worried about school and friends at that moment. I don't remember ever believing there was something in the closet or under my bed. I never believed in that stuff. Not until that one day in third grade. One morning, I got up to get ready for school. I was dressed and went downstairs. I don't remember why I went downstairs. Maybe it was to say hi to my dad or greet my two dogs. But my dad wasn't downstairs that morning. I went downstairs to the kitchen and into the living room. A little note that my heart is beating so fast because I'm recounting this story. I still can't explain what happened, but every time I remember it, tears start at the corner of my eyes and I have major anxiety. I went to go and sit on the couch facing the TV. Halfway to the couch, I immediately felt like I was being watched, and I just couldn't turn on the light. The light switches were on opposite ends. I couldn't go to the light switches, I don't know why I couldn't. The only way I can explain it is that I didn't want whatever was in the room to know that I was in there. I didn't want to know that I knew it was there. The fear I felt then was immense. My dogs were sitting on the couch facing the doorway and I decided that the least suspicious thing for me to do was to sit on the couch facing the fireplace. I sat down for I don't know how long. I don't remember the time frame of what happened but my dogs jumped off the couch and jumped onto mine. They began growling at the couch they were just sitting on. I tried to shush the dogs a little and comfort them. But then I heard the table. I heard the side table creak as if an immense weight had been lifted from it. It was as if something really heavy was on the side table and it made the table creak. It wasn't something I had mistaken. It was the side table. Something made that sound. I sat on the couch with my dogs frozen. I sat there for I don't know how long. I was so frightened of whatever was leaning on that table. Then I heard one of the breakfast chairs slam into the breakfast table. I jumped up with my dogs and quickly tried to grab them and go upstairs. I cried in my room for what seemed like forever. I cried and cried and never told a soul until many years later. I finally told my mom about the incident. I remember fumbling trying to carry both of my dogs upstairs as fast as I could. I was petrified. After that, I searched for explanations for what happened. I read ghost books from my elementary school library. I asked a kid in my class about ghosts. He said that my ghost was some sort of traveller because it didn't stay for very long. 
I don't know if what I experienced was a ghost tormenting me, but there is no rational explanation for what happened to me in the third grade. I will always remember what happened, and the words that circle around my head right now are I didn't want to know that I knew it was here. I didn't want to know. I didn't want it to know. I do think that humans have incredible intuition about things that are paranormal and not paranormal. Um, I think sometimes we don't listen to it. Sometimes people's intuition is better tuned than others. Sometimes people are more open to their intuition. But I think our bodies tell us when something is wrong and our bodies teach us how to respond to things and and they respond to things much quicker than our brains do. It's pretty incredible. Like our bodies are incredible. It's like, you know, Smalls saying they knew that something was wrong but they didn't know what was wrong. And that's a common feature in our stories is people sensing that something just isn't right but not being able to articulate it. And it does sometimes feel like we're all secretly cold in the sixth sense. Just we haven't really realised it or we don't pay attention to it. Uh, The idea of not letting this thing know that you know that it's there disturbed me greatly. Uh, Just so you know. And story number three comes from Emily. This story involves my family and how strange things have happened to many of us throughout our lives. It makes me think that this sensitivity is something that is genetic. Also, the stories skip from place to place. They're not all set in the same house. I currently live in Southwest Virginia, but some of this takes place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and Rome, Italy. I would start with my grandmother, my mother's mother. She is from Italy and met my grandfather during World War II on a blind date. She turned 95 this November and still to this day is certain of what she experienced. She says when she was little her family had a home in Rome but also had a lake house. At her lake house she claims there was poltergeist activity. She would see things fly right in front of her face like candles or picture frames. She would also say she would wake up and dining room chairs would be on the tables and then other objects stacked on top of the chairs. She said they would just take them down and put them back where they belonged. Her most interesting story, in my opinion, is when she was about seven years old and she woke up to a little girl sitting at the end of her bed crying. She said she wasn't scared, but sat up in bed and asked the little girl what was wrong. The little girl answered her and said, I'm crying for you. My grandmother responded with, Why are you crying for me? And the little girl said, You are going to get very sick, but you aren't going to die. But I'm sad that you are going to be sick. My grandmother went back to sleep and one week later, my grandmother got scarlet fever. Skipping forward to about 15 years ago when my grandfather died, she reported she awoke one night to my grandfather sitting on the side of her bed. This was about a year after he passed away. She said he looked like he did when she met him in his 20s. She said he asked her if she was okay, and she said that she was, but she missed him. He said that he missed her too, but wanted to make sure she had enough money and was taken care of. She said they talked for a moment more and then he was gone. She never seemed bothered by any of these encounters. 
I would skip over to my mother's experiences. She said that when she was a teenager and living in Philadelphia, she was babysitting my cousin, her niece, who was sick with a cold. She said they were sleeping in the same bed and her niece was asleep. My cousin's dog was also on the floor by the bed sleeping. All of a sudden the dog started growling and the covers were pulled down off the bed and my mother sat up and saw a woman pulling the covers back up over my cousin. The woman then left the room. My mom got up and went and asked her sister if she came into the room to check on my cousin. She said it wasn't her. My mom went and asked her mother, my grandmother, if she'd been in the room. Again, my grandmother said it wasn't her either. Another experience my mother had was in that same house. She reported waking up to a man extremely close to her face. She felt like he wasn't nice and she was scared during the experience. She said she screamed and he disappeared. She did not ever see either of these spirits again. Moving forward to when my mother had moved to Virginia where we live now and she had met my father and had me. She said that when I was a tiny baby I would just stare at the ceiling and laugh and wave. I'm sure that babies do that and it's not necessarily paranormal but my mother said it seemed very much like I was laughing and waving to someone. After I was born we moved into a large farmhouse that is about five miles from where I live now. The farmhouse was over 100 years old and the people selling it told my parents that they moved to Arizona for work. Those people then moved just down the street. Later, my mother thought this was odd, and attributed it to possible experiences that they had had in the house. My parents were told that two sisters lived in the house together until they died. Neither one ever married or had children. We're unsure if they passed away in the house. We lived there until I was around nine years old. So most of the stories I was told and don't really remember many experiences in that house personally. My sister and I had bedrooms beside each other upstairs and my brother's room was upstairs too but on the other side of the house. My sister would always lock her door at night because she said I did creepy things. My room had no windows but directly across from my door was a window and I generally left my door open at night. My dad said I would sit up in the middle of the night, not the normal way you would sit up, but in a creepy way that you kind of roll up with your head coming up last. My dad said it sounded like I was speaking another language. He said it was not any language he had ever heard, but it definitely sounded like words and sentences. He also reported that I spoke of owls quite often. People who have claimed they have been abducted by aliens report dreams and visions of owls. More creepy to me is my sister's experiences. She would tell my parents that the people in the walls wouldn't stop talking. It wasn't like she was scared, but more annoyed, like she couldn't rest or concentrate because of the chattering. Also, the house was kind of in the shape of an L, and in the space, there was a large deck outside. When we would sit out on the deck, my sister would look up and say, Ugh, Mom, they're staring at me again. Again, more annoyed than scared. Neither one of my parents ever saw anyone in the windows of a room, though. The house had a really long hallway that started past the front door, and my parents' bedroom was the door at the end. The washer and dryer were in a closet across from my parents' room. My mom said she was doing laundry one day when our dog came tearing down the hallway barking. She wasn't a dog that would normally bark. She said all of a sudden as the dog got closer, 
she felt two hands run across her shoulder blades and the dog chased whatever just touched my mom into her bedroom. The dog then put her front paws on the wall and barked up at the ceiling. Another time, my sister remembered watching TV in the living room. The TV was positioned in front of a large bay window. We weren't very close to the road, but enough that you could sometimes see car headlights shine into the window. My sister said, as the car lights shone into the window, the outline of a head, shoulders and a torso were blacked out on top of the TV. My dad never reported many things happening, but one evening my dad was watching TV in the living room, which had a door into the foyer where the stairs went upstairs. My mom saw my dad do a double take towards the door near the stairs. She asked my dad what he saw, and of course he said, oh, nothing. My mom knew he was lying, so she asked again what he saw. And he said, I saw the bottom half of a woman's body in a very long dress. The dress wrapped around the banister of the stairs and then went upstairs. When I was a teenager, we moved into my grandparents' house after my dad's mother passed away. My parents still live there today and I live with my daughters below them in a house my grandfather built after my grandmother's passing. When I was 16, I was scheduled for a major surgery on my jaws, something that had been planned since I was three. As the day got closer, my mother became more stressed and worried about it. She reported that she would lie down sometimes during the day to take a short nap. This was in the bedroom that was my grandparents' bedroom before, and she would feel the other side of the bed sink down as if someone was sitting down. Again, she wasn't scared and really believed it was my grandmother, her mother-in-law. They were very close when she was alive. She still believed she was there to comfort her and let her know that it was going to be okay. There were even a few times she said, Anne, is that you? There was no response though. Around this same time before my surgery, I was playing on the computer which was beside my parents' room. My dad was out of town on a fishing trip. My mom gets up early and therefore she goes to bed pretty early. The computer was situated so that your back was to the door. It was maybe about 8 or 9 o'clock at night and I felt a hand touch my head and run down my ponytail. I said, good night mom, but there was no answer. I turned around and there was nobody there. I got up and walked into the hallway in time to see a shadow move into my parents' room. I thought, oh, she didn't hear me. So I walked into my parents' room and said, good night mom, and looked over and she was in bed sound asleep with the lights off. When I think back on the encounter, I do think it was my grandmother. My mom said she no longer feels the bed sink down and has not had any other experiences in the house. Once in a while, still to this day, I can walk in the house and it smells like it did when my grandparents lived there. They used to have a big wood stove in the living room and it has been gone for 25 years. But every once in a while, I smell that smell that I associate with my grandmother. I think she still stops by sometimes just to check on us. I'm divorced and I live with my daughters in the house that my grandfather built and lived in after my grandmother's passing. My grandfather passed away in the house. He had Parkinson's disease and ultimately passed away after a stroke. He came home with hospice and we cared for him for a few days after his stroke until his passing. I now sleep in what was his room. When my eldest daughter, who was now 13, was about two years old, she toddled into my bedroom and stopped, 
cocked her head sideways and said, Pop Pop? That is what I called my grandfather. There is no way she would have ever known that. He passed away years before I had my first daughter, and I did not really talk about him ever in front of her. She also had an imaginary friend when she was little. She described the friend as an older lady with long black hair, and she had a daughter. She told me she lived on the mountain where Pop Pop and Mom Mom lived. That's what I called my other grandparents. Again, at this time, my only living grandparent was my mother's mom, and she had moved off the mountain ten years earlier, and lived only about three miles away from us. She would not have had any idea that they had lived there before. I also believe she was too young to remember what I called my grandparents. She does not call my grandmother mom-mom like I do. She calls her Riri. A few times in this house, things have gone missing for long periods of time, only to find them in obvious places later. My youngest daughter has never said anything that makes me think she saw or heard anything paranormal. There are probably other stories that I've not included or cannot remember, but these are the ones that stick in my mind, because they occur over different towns and houses. I really do think we're all a little sensitive. I am the one most intrigued by the paranormal, and I probably have the least sensitivity it seems, unfortunately, but I like to think this ability may be something that has been passed down through my family. I actually got cold shivers in that story when she said about sitting up in bed at night time and talking a different language and talking about seeing owls all the time. Let me tell you, if you were my child, I would have launched you out the window, javelin style. Just, just, no, we're not having that in the house. Bringing bad juju into the household, not happening. Gross. Kids are hideous. Kids are so scary. You just, sometimes I forget how scary they are and then an element of a story makes me go, oh yeah, awful. I think as well on a serious note that smells are such a common component of people remembering their loved ones or people feeling like their loved ones are present. They say that one of our greatest senses as humans is our sense of smell and that it triggers memories. And so it makes sense that if you wanted to come back and tell your loved ones that you were there, that you would give off a certain smell um I think it's lovely unless of course it's a hideous smell that reminds you of of that person and then you'd be like oh not this again why can't it be lavender like like a normal person you know and our final story today story number four comes from Missy you don't get my height and weight because these stories are not about me they're about my father during his younger days as an archaeologist for the US government. If you're imagining Indiana Jones or Nathan Drake, I'm afraid you would be sorely disappointed. My dad is not cool. You see, whenever any kind of land is going to be used by the government for anything, or when any lands are going to be improved with government funds, if those lands could possibly be related to any sort of cultural resource, i.e. Native American burial grounds or holy places, my dad would have to go out and survey the land to make sure the government wasn't building a DMV on an ancient hunting camp. So he spent a lot of time wandering around in the middle of nowhere poking at the dirt. See, not very cool. About 20 years ago, give or take, my dad and another researcher were going out to the desert to document some petroglyphs. I believe the researcher was looking to get some government funds for a grant or something, so my dad was there to be all official. This was down in the Four Corners area, 
in either New Mexico or Arizona, and luckily it was in the late fall. This site was way out in the middle of the desert, so my dad and his companions stopped at the one and only trail store they could find for some water and whatever they could scavenge for both lunch and dinner. The Native American man running the store asked them what they were doing all the way out there. Usually only hippies and hikers made it out that far. And here was my dad, the super nerd, and what I imagined to be an equally nerdy researcher. They told the man they were going out to document the petroglyphs, at which point he went from mildly amused to visibly concerned. The man asked my dad how long they intended to be out there, and my dad pointed to a small pile of water, beef jerky and potato chips, and jokingly told him as long as their rations held out. The man looked at my father dead in the eye and told him he would only sell them the food and water if they promised to be back in their car by the time the sun set. My father isn't a superstitious person, but something about this man's demeanour made my dad swear up, down and sideways that they would be back in the car by sunset. He didn't ask why, and the shopkeeper didn't explain his concerns. He just rang them up and told them to be careful. Fast forward to the end of the day. The petroglyphs were on a stone outcropping about a quarter mile from the road where their car was parked. They'd been taking pictures of them all day, engrossed in blotchy rock paintings the way only historians can be. As the sun dipped to kiss the horizon, my dad started packing up his gear for the hike back to the car. His companion argued that they needed a few more hours, complaining that he had even gone to the trouble of getting headlamps for both of them. My dad compromised, and promised they would come back in the morning to finish up. The researcher grudgingly packed up and headed down the trail with my dad. They were about halfway back when they heard the rustling. There was sagebrush all over the place, so initially they thought it was some sort of coyote hunting rabbits or something. But when they turned around, nothing was there. But there was definitely something back there. And whatever it was... It was definitely following them. The sun was only about a sliver above the horizon now and my dad was starting to panic. And he could see that his research friend was also freaking out. Suddenly the rustling turned rhythmic. Footsteps. Fast footsteps. Something was charging at them. They royally flipped their shit. These two chess club level nerds booked it, running faster than they had ever ran in their lives, the whole time they could hear heavy running footfalls on the rock and sand behind them, but they were too scared to look back. They made it to the parking lot and dove into their car, locking the doors behind them. It was dark now, and my dad turned on the headlights to try and see what was following them. At first they couldn't see anything. They laughed at being freaked out by a couple of hungry coyotes. Some big brave men they were. Then they saw a pair of eyes catching the light from the car, poking around a mound of stone about ten feet away. The eyes were about seven feet off the ground. They both screamed, and my dad gunned the car, never slowing down until they hit the first signs of civilization. Inexplicably, the researcher wanted to go back in the morning. He claimed they didn't have any problems in the day and they only needed about another two hours at the site for the documentation he was after. My dad was sorely tempted to let him go back on his own, but he never would have forgiven himself if this idiot got himself eaten by a desert monster, 
As they were walking along the path out to the petroglyphs, it was easy to see their shoe prints from the day before going from the parking lot and a set of more scuffed, hurried shoe prints coming back from the outcropping. About 20 feet down the trail, they could also make out different tracks. My dad said it looked like a dog print, but easily as big as his whole hand, and the stride was massive. He looked at the researcher and told him he had two hours exactly, and then they were out of there. The researcher agreed, already looking a little pale. Halfway to the outcropping, the researcher stopped dead, his eyes wide and his mouth gaping. My dad asked if he was okay, and the other man just pointed. In the middle of the trail, from one stride to another, the massive dog prints vanished and were replaced by large, bare, human footprints. My dad and his researcher had been around Native American tribes long enough to know what skinwalkers were. He looked at the researcher, who looked like he was going to vomit, and just started pushing him back to the car. He didn't put up any resistance. Neither of them has ever been back to those petroglyphs. The second story is much shorter. My dad was somewhere in Arizona. He can't even remember why he was down there, but he remembers that he was in a crappy motel in the middle of nowhere. The government had restricted the number of miles he was allowed to put on the car he was in, and so he was walking along the road from his motel to the mini-mart not far down the road. It was night and it was pitch black, but he could see the mini-mart lights, and he had a flashlight, so he just decided to enjoy the warm night and to walk. On his way back, he saw headlights coming towards him from the direction of the desert. He couldn't remember a road being out in that direction, but that doesn't mean there wasn't one. He flashed his flashlight at them to let them know he was there and kept walking along the side of the road. The headlights kept coming. My dad stepped further off the road and waved his light at the headlights. They were still coming towards him. My dad started to run away from the road out into the desert on the other side, away from the oncoming headlights, waving his light behind him and yelling at the car to stop. The lights were almost on top of him. He paused, hoping to jump out of the way at the last minute, when what he thought were headlights broke into two separate lights. Stunned, my dad was frozen to the spot, watching the two lights bob gently away in opposite directions. My dad is not, or has he ever been, an athletic person, but he ran flat out the rest of the way to the motel. When he burst into the lobby, panting and pale, the young man at the front desk asked if he was okay. My dad told him what happened, and the young man nodded seriously. Well, at least you didn't follow them, he said, handing my dad a glass of water. What would have happened if I had followed them? My dad asked. You come back crazy. If you come back at all. There's a huge part of me that would love to go to Arizona. Just for, for a look, you know, to have a look around. See the sights, see the desert. Uh, there's also a huge part of me that never ever wants to be anywhere near places like Arizona. Where there's the possibility of something like this happening to you. It's just so disturbing. Like really and truly disturbing. And it's like, um, so the lights on the desert sound like will-o'-the-wisps on like bogs and marshlands here in the UK where 
the lights lead you away into the into the wilderness. They're designed, they're there to get you lost. They're like mischievous. Oh, I just... So much weird shit happens out in the desert that it just... It freaks me out so much. More than any other terrain, I think. Thank you so much to Elliot Smalls, Emily and Missy for your stories. Remember, the last story today was from the 4th of December 2020. If you would like to send your story in, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>